Hey guys, welcome to HowlerPod. A couple quick notes before we get started here. The first, HowlerPod contains adult content. We will be doing some bloody damn cursing, talking about some unicorn porn, maybe a little slagging. We have a very important message. Don't be a pixie. The second thing is this podcast contains spoilers, like a lot of them. If you don't know what the docs of Ganymede are or why they're important, who Ares is, what happened between Roke and Darrow, this is not your podcast. Please go find something else. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at HowlerPod. Yeah, at H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. And now, HowlerPod. Omnisphere lupus. Forged in the bowels of this hard world, sharpened by hate, strengthened by love. I would have lived in peace, but my enemies brought me war. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every week we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by... Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reiner, and uh, joining me here today is my co-host, the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hey, Howlers. Okay, so this week on Howler Pod, uh, we're going to start out by Gordam gushing over our first reread of the series. Um, we're reading Red Rising, book one, chapters one through six. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Aaron and I have brushed up, reread. Uh, we're ready to talk about this with you guys and um, go back through, dive back into this amazing story. Let's do it. <laughs> there we go. So part one is called Slave, and that's chapters one through six. Uh, we're going to start out by discussing what exactly happened in chapters one through six. So a quick refresher here. Hey, let's load up our star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully you don't shit our suits, Aaron. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you go. Chapter one. Part one, slave. <laughs> chapter one, the Helldiver. Darrow, um, this is where we meet Darrow. He's a Helldiver or red, the lowest uh, color on the totem pole of society. He works under the surface of Mars, mines helium-3, in order to terraform the planet and make it habitable for the higher colors like the golds, keeping them down. Um, he's the youngest Helldiver anyone can remember. Um, he's super unafraid of taking risks and hates the cautious, or not hates, but I mean dislikes the cautious older miners that he works for, uh, including his uncle Neryl, who seems to be the most cautious and jaded of them all. In this chapter, we also learn about Darrow is mining this helium-3, and he's got to meet this quota so he can win the, the laurel, which is this prize where that's given to the clan that does the best job mining. We also meet his family, his wife, Eo. She's got a wild mane of red hair. Darrow really loves her. And then, like we said, Uncle Neryl, and we learned that Darrow's father was executed by the society, and Darrow holds him 
inside. It's fucked up. It is. That's, that's fucked up. All right. Chapter two, the township. Darrow shows how he's a little shit. He's really prideful. Mm-hmm. And he talks back to Uncle, Uncle Narrell, who is the head talk, a.k.a. the boss of the crew. And he um, jumps down out of his claw drill and scans a gas pocket. Risky. Really risky. Ends up burning his fingers, but he's like, no, he didn't, guys, when he comes back up because he doesn't want anyone to know. <laughs> then that cool. night, Air- EO wraps his hand. I almost said Aaron, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm EO. Did you want to wrap <laughs> Daryl's hand? Uh, preferably when he's like gold and not a little red. All right, EO wraps his hand when he returns home. So we get to see EO being flirty, but she can boss Daryl around when no one else can. And we're like, yeah, bad bitch. So then... They go off and head to the ceremony. Yeah, so that's what takes us to chapter three, uh, the royal, the laurel. Darrow and the other reds of his of Lycos uh, head to the common to hear who won the laurel. Darrow is really confident, along with all the younger reds in his clan, that they've won. He knows that he mined enough helium three that they're going to win this laurel. He's happy. He's playful on the way. Eo seems a little indifferent to his triumph where he's like, mm, I don't know about that. And then we also meet the rest of Daryl's family, like his mother. Uh, she seems pretty cool. And then we learn that Uncle Narrell taught him to dance, the forbidden dance that his dad died for. Um, and Uncle Narrell's brother, Daryl's father, obviously. And then despite Daryl's clan, Lambda, Having that higher production, another clan, the Gammas, favored, that's favored by the society, wins the laurel, as they always do. Fuck those guys. Dude. Fuck lots Gamma. Of, lots of messed up shit going on. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Who Pierce. Who likes Gamma? Dude, I hate Gamma. <laughs> I, I want a shirt with a circle with the X through it that says Gamma. They don't even go here. All right, chapter four, The Gift. EO takes Darrow to see his gift. It's a passageway through the webbery that leads into a garden what? with grass, with trees, with animals, and the night sky, which, by the way, Darrow has never seen That's before. That's kind of crazy. It's like you grew up in a bunker <laughs> thinking, you know, that the world had ended from nuclear blasts. And then, no, actually, there's grass, there's trees, there's fucking deer living. He's a real know? Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> he is, except not as perky and more murdery. More murdery. So, um, he's very surprised. Um, EO, after they hang out, you know, have a little sex, she confronts Darrow about their position in life as slaves, and she challenges him to see how oppressed they are. Uh, Darrow is, he pushes back on that idea. He thinks that they have almost what they should, except for filthy Gamma, obviously. Yep. He says he only lives for Eo. She says, then you must live for more. Gotcha. Then the Greys find them when they come back inside. And that brings us to chapter five, the first song. So after being discovered in the garden by the Greys, those fucking tin pots, uh, Darrow surrenders himself and Eo in order to save their lives. Um, if he's going to resist at that point, he's definitely going to get murdered by these Greys. So um, instead, they're just put in jail for a while. They get lashed in the middle of the common. 
for everyone to see, and the Arch Governor of Mars himself, Boo. Nero Al Augustus, has come to the colony to watch the punishment, uh, along with a, a group of golds and obsidian bodyguards. So obsidians remain cool, though. Big, big dudes. Yeah. Real big. All right, Daryl's whip first. He takes his punishment, but when Eo is being lashed, she sings a forbidden <gasps> song and is sentenced to death by the fucking arch governor. Every time I reread that, I'm like, don't do I it. <laughs> All right, chapter six, the martyr, which is Eo. They put the noose around Eo's neck, and she, she has her last words, and she speaks them to her sister, Dio. Surprise in choice. Instead of Darrow. Um, Daryl watches as Eo mouths live for more to him. And then to the crowd, she screams, break the chains. She is hanged and Darrow has to pull her feet so she doesn't suffer in the low gravity. Uh, later on, Darrow sneaks away in the night to pull Eo down to bury her. Uh, on his way there, he sees the HC mount functioning, which is the first time in his life he's ever seen that go wrong. Yeah. And it shows Eo's hanging and her song uh, her screaming break the chains and then kind of repeats and wigs out and then goes black. He is then intercepted by his uncle on the way who is surprisingly nice and gentle with him. He gives him a drink from his flask um, and then he goes on his way. Daryl pulls Eo down knowing that this means he's killing himself as well because that's forbidden and he buries her in the garden where they spent their last night together. Darrow is then hanged at the end of this section, and Uncle Nero is the one who pulls his feet. With a wink. Oh, yeah. yeah. With a wink. Darrow gave Eo's ankle a kiss. <laughs> Uncle Nero gives him a wink. Yep. Thanks a lot. Okay, so now that we know uh, what happened in these chapters, we want to kind of break down kind of what we think the main idea is of these first six chapters. So the theme for these chapters is truth. So that's what we think uh, runs through each of the chapters. We're going to kind of talk about why we think that truth is the theme. The arch governing theme, if the, you will. Ooh. Well played. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, should we call it like truth owl? Truth? <laughs> <laughs> truth owl chapters one through six? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the first part, or the first thing that we had kind of noticed is that Darrow really sees himself kind of as this pioneer of uh, the frontier. Like, he thinks that he's this badass hell diver. He can take risks. His whole purpose is kind of like just mine this helium for the golds because he's making the world a better place. And that's the truth that they have given him, and he chooses to believe it without questioning it. Right, and we see that on the HC when Octavia, they like loop her constantly. She's saying, you brave red pioneers of Mars, strongest of the human breed, sacrifice for progress, sacrifice to pave the way for the future. Your lives, your blood, are a down payment for the immortality of the human race as we move beyond earth and moon. You go where we could not. You suffer so that others do not. So that's, you know, Darrow buys that. He, he's, he's, he's into that. He's bought into a full bore. He's like, I'm a badass hell diver. To be a hell diver, they say your fingers must flicker fast as tongues of fire. Mine flicker faster. I'm a hell diver. It takes a certain kind 
and I'm the youngest anyone can remember. So, so he's a little full of himself. Right. But he should be because he is fucking fast. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's good at what he does, but he doesn't see anything, uh, any larger picture than just, hey, I'm this, like, badass helldiver, and I'm going to live fast and kind of die young. He, he because kinda, they all they all die young. Because right. I remember them saying there's like a 30 year old and they're like old. Because right. they all get married at like 13, like we used to do in the old days. Because we didn't live as long. Yeah. So this 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 life as a pioneer, this life as a hell diver, that's Daryl's truth, and that's really all he needs. He doesn't need any more than that. So the first kind of crack in truth and right. where we start to, and we as the readers too, start to realize that his truth is not also our truth is when Gamma gets the laurel. Cause this, this whole section builds us up to think, Oh, finally, this is like the victory in this world. And I think it's the writing so good. Pierce really kind of right. puts you in the mindset to be disappointed when they don't win mm -hmm. because um, you've gone on this journey with Darrow and with all the other uh, Reds in um Well, yeah, he kind of just subverts your expectations there because we're expecting, like, we see Darrow pull off this really cool feat. He swings out of his claw drill, comes down, like, kind of burns himself, but he He's drills like, through the gas pocket. almost lost my foot. No yeah. big deal. But I got all the helium-3, so we're like, okay, this is starting off. Like, we've got this badass guy. and Yeah, try to... Try to put yourself back into your virgin Red Rising self right. where you don't know everything yet. <laughs> remember, remember, like, how you were like, okay, cool, yeah, Mars, we're on Mars, that's cool. Yeah, like, you had mining. no idea what you were in for. Hell diving sounded really cool. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's that must be the best job. I'll pick that job, yeah. you know. So, the, the quote from when they, you know, before they find out is the young ones like me think we've won the laurel they know my raw helium three pull for the month it's better than gammas the old turds just grumble and say we're fools yeah that's kind of interesting right there because i think that's kind of your first nugget like maybe when he says the young ones like me think we've won the laurel and i remember from reading rereading that chapter when they're uh walking to the common like everybody young is celebrating but the old people are all like no, this is just the same old shit. Right. Because I'm sure they've they've had this before where they think right. they've won and they never do. Um, they have to keep this dissidence between the clans right? For so that the clans don't turn and look at how badly they're mistreated. Right. And then that kind of goes on right in the, in the start of Chapter 4 um, after we've learned that Darrow's clan did not win the Laurel we see this kind of first break in what he, his own thinking, because, you know, prior to that announcement, he's like, we won this Laurel. He was already making plans for, you know, uh, the cinnamon and the ribbons for EO and whatever. Dude, do you think it's like the cinnamon sugar and the shaker? Cause <laughs> that's what I would be down. For. Like, I don't want raw cinnamon. Some cinnamon sugar toast or something. Yeah. I want some like <laughs> white toast with butter and cinnamon sugar. If that's what I'm fighting for, then I'll jump out of my own claw drill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like straight cinnamon, you'd like choke on it. I don't, you know? I don't blame you for that. All right. 
Yeah, so this is kind of Dar- the first time we see Darrow questioning a little bit. He says, this is just a demonstration of their power. It is their power. They decide the winner. A game of merit won by birth. It keeps the hierarchy in place. It keeps us striving, but never conspiring. And so... Exactly. That's, that's what they want. That's kind of Darrow's first, like, he's a little vindictive towards society. Um, he's a little angry. And I think that's just, like, the first seed that gets planted and leads us to the rest of the book. Yeah. So, obviously, one person who knows the truth that we know of so far is Eo. Or a portion of the truth, anyway. A portion, yeah. Yeah. So. She's on to something. Eo knows about this garden, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know who has told her or, like, how she found out, but it's it's through the Webry where she works. So Eo has um, a little more knowledge, and she's sharing this with Darrow, hoping that finally he'll kind of see her side of like why things are bad. And I I think uh, Pierce's writing is so great because these fictional characters and fictional stories can harken back to real life where, you know, people say that something's wrong Mm -hmm. and like no one else believes it even after they see the stars. Right. So this is EO kind of begging Darrow to just like stretch his mind a little and to see outside himself and not be so self-focused. Yeah. Uh, So this quote from chapter four, which is kind of, in my opinion, EO's best moment. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, Because, you know, no spoilers or anything, but she doesn't have a lot of moments. (laughs) So the quote from this chapter is, Darrow starts, what do you live for? I ask her suddenly. Is it for me? Is it for family and love? Or is it for some dream? It's not just some dream, Darrow. I live for the dream that my children will be born free, that they will be what they like, that they will own the land their father gave them. I live for you, I say sadly. She kisses my cheek. Then you must live for more. Man, that gets me every time. I got chills (laughs) while I said it. Like, not because of my good acting. It was a good good dramatic read. But I I gave myself chills. And I I would say maybe EO gave me those chills. Hey, Pierce. Oh. (laughs) Gotta give credit to that. Howler number one on that. In my mind, Pierce is the most androgynous, like, like color-crossing. Because he's all colors and all, you know. I mean, he's the creator. He's also... Um, what the fuck is the fox's name? Sophocles. Oh, Sophocles. Sophocles. (laughs) I think it's Sophocles. Sophocles. (laughs) Aristoteles. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's Sophocle. Aristocle. (laughs) Plato. (laughs) All right. The the fucking fox. He's he's also the fox. So back to dead Eo, our martyr. So at this point, you know, we think Darrow's dead, right? Right. And it's like, well, that was a very short-lived protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty wild, like, in this this first ch- six chapters, how Eo has such a small role, but such an impactful role. I mean, there's, there's no story without her, obviously. She sparks this entire rebellion. She's the literal face of it, and inspires Darrow in a way that 
he didn't even think capable. He wasn't even capable of seeing this within himself. But Io, who, you know, loved him, she was capable of seeing it. And that's just, that's amazing, I think. And it's all just wrapped up in that one line that you must live for more. And as we see from Io and her little secret that we don't know yet, she's willing to sacrifice literally everything Mm -hmm. to provide the chance that others can live this dream. That's, yeah, that's incredible yeah like she knows she's going to be killed and she does it anyway because she wants to open up the door for others yeah so it's it's just this really cool transition i think that that truth and the role it plays in these six chapters is really evident it starts with darrow's truth in the first two chapters Um, we see kind of who he is what his world is what his worldview is and then and chapters to kind of three and four, we start seeing uh, a few cracks in this facade and, and his personal truth. And then by five and six, we are seeing it blown completely open and living for more. And still at the end of that chapter, Darrow is willing to just die instead of following Eo's directive until that very last second when he's hanging there and he realizes this is not what I want. Right. I completely fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Darrow. First test, fail. So luckily he, yeah, he gets a second chance, but it's not until that very last moment that that impact of EO's statement really hits him. I think it's important too to like think about how Pierce kind of takes a spin on this rags to riches type of story mm-hmm. um i think all star all fictional stories are best read through the eyes of someone who is ignorant so i think it's it's great that we can start this journey with darrow where he's at mm-hmm. um and kind of start to learn with him like so that. then the, you know pierce doesn't like say to us hey this is the society here's mm-hmm. this this and this Instead, we have Darrow who's learning, and through the protagonist, we can also kind of grow with him. So right. I, I like that he puts us at the start in the dirt on Mars. Right. We really get to feel all of Darrow's feelings at this time, which preps us to slowly learn more as Darrow learns more. Yeah, that's our hero's journey right there. And, you know, we get to see dun, it dun, through dun, his dun. eyes, and it's uh, just incredibly well done by Pierce. This, this first six chapters has got a lot of impact, I think, um, just in uh, how much information, not only it, uh, in world building it does, like setting up this world, um, creating just an instant place for us to be. And we can see it, uh, we can feel it, and you can understand it. And then this awesome launching pad that he uh, sends us off with in chapter six there. Where a star shell, if you will. Ooh, yeah. Maybe maybe some grab boots. <laughs> uh, and it's just kind of this amazing journey where we are just, uh, our eyes are opened. And then once this next part, part two starts, you know, everything changes. You keep learning. Right. Yeah. Now that we have gone deep into the first six chapters, how about we move on to our prime five? Ooh. What's the prime five, Aaron? 
this is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Nice. I like it. You want me to take the first one? Yes, please. All right. So we'll start with Darrow's hell diving. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but there's a couple things I just wanted to mention uh, specifically. So throughout this, these couple chapters where he's talking about the hell diving, it's mainly the first two, um, Daryl is constantly mentioning his hands. And this is kind of a motif throughout the, the first book especially. Um, he's constantly talking about how strong his hands are, how fast they are, um, and that uh, skill and those hell diving skills come back to help him later on. And we see it also when he uses the sling blade for the first time. The suit gets a little melty. It gets a little stuck. A little melty. That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> He's like boiling alive. Yeah. No big deal. And he has to cut himself loose with the sling blade. So it's like those two major things that we see um, just in the first like what, one to two chapters yeah. are going to go on to impact the story in major ways later on and that's just really cool I think it's a nice setup by Pierce and Helldivers uh totally get laid <laughs> for sure they can they can get it Eel was like what she's willing to wait for him she's yeah, like yeah she's like I'll go hungry <laughs> yeah. for that piece of ass <laughs> uh you want to take the second one sure do all right this is a great one number two is Uncle Narrow who, as we know, continues to surprise us. Mm -hmm. And what we don't know in these chapters is that he actually knows what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. And he's just not telling anyone because it's not time. Also, he drinks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's real sneaky sneaky. He's a sneaky sneak. So in these chapters, what we do know is that he taught Darrow the dance, which... Uh, turns Darrow into like an amazing swordsman. So thanks for the fencing lessons. I don't know if you call it fencing. Good job, Uncle Darrow. <laughs> fencing probably isn't like cool enough for what Darrow actually does. Imagine that dancing guy. It's got to be like some kind of. I don't know. He's got like. <laughs> you, uh, y'all can't see Ben, but he's he's kind of dancing. Doing some very herky jerk. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the dance. All right. We'll we'll try tomorrow at the club. So he taught Darrow the dance. As we said, he's sneaky with the Sons of Ares. Yeah, on this reread, you really kind of see some of that Sons of Ares stuff. Yeah, that's why you should all read and then reread because you're like, oh, I know what the fuck's going on. But you still cry every time Eo dies. Mm -hmm. I can say that from personal experience. It's hard not to. All right. And... What we also see from Uncle Narrow in that moment before Darrow pulls Eo down after she's hanged is the gentler side. Mm. He kind of cracks this drunken, aloof facade momentarily to really give Darrow um, some instructions. He says, say hi to Dancer. Real sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. He really slips that in there. <laughs> and when you reread it, you're like, he fucking yeah. said dancer? I don't remember time. that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Uncle Narrow is, he'll come back around, I think, for the Prime 5 again. But he's yeah. definitely on it this week. Shouts to Uncle Narrow always. Um, okay, number three on the Prime 5 is another one of uh, Darrow's family members. This is where we meet Darrow's mom, Deanna. And uh, although she's not a... Um, 
a large character in the story. She is somebody that Daryl thinks about a lot. And so this interaction with her, he has an obvious reverence, you know. He really sees uh, her as the backbone of his family and the women in the Red Clans as, you know, the backbone of the clan in general. They are the ones that, you know, are are strong and, and hold everything together. And then I just think that keeping that in mind in this reread and then thinking about it in Morningstar when Daryl goes back to Lycos mm. and brings Mustang and she and he wants to, you know, talk to Deanna again at that time. Just thinking about this first time we meet Deanna within that context, knowing that is just really cool, I thought. I like to uh, refer to her as Mama Red. <laughs> so if you could the, all the Mama Red just continue to call her because like we do we really know her name's Deanna? Like do we really? I think that was a Red Rising wiki. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out. Thanks, Red Rising Wiki. You fill in all the gaps in my memory, and yeah. there are a lot of those. <laughs> I blame it on the wine. All right. Are we done with Mama Ray Ray? Yeah. All right. Moving on. First look at the golds. Wow. Augustus and his lackeys. Bunch of pricks. Right. We meet some obsidians. We meet a few different golds. Some Peerless guards, some not. Dude, like the pixie guy, the baddest of the bad golds. That's who we meet, Augustus, who, as we know, will become a more integral uh, character. Right. I almost said parent. (laughs) 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 Kind of parental figure. Um, So yeah, first look at the golds. We really start to see the contrast between the reds and the golds. Yeah, how big they are. We're seeing that. Reds and golds aren't the human race that we recognize. Um, They're different in size. They have sigils on their hands. They, some of them fly, you know. Yeah, this is a, it's just like, it's a cool look at kind of uh, knowing that Darrow is going to be, you know, become a gold. Kind of the way he talks about them as he's watching them and, talking about their obsidians and just like how scared he is, but then thinking about he has like an obsidian best friend down the road and it's just... Mm, uh, pour <laughs> one out. Sorry, I don't want to talk about Ragnar oh right now. Oh my God. <laughs> You're not supposed to say his name in front of me. <laughs> so it's just an interesting, um, interesting insight to see those golds for the first time and see Darrow's first thoughts and then kind of once he becomes a gold, how he sees them and then... I think uh, it, it's also important to remember the aloofness that Augustus uh, shows towards killing oh, yeah. Darrow's wife. He's, he's like he just he sees her as like lower than a speck of dust. Right. Like he doesn't even care that she's dying. He's like he thinks it's almost amusing that right. she's he was singing by her singing. Mm-hmm. And then after it got going for a little bit, he's like, now shut that shit down. <laughs> Not only are these golds aloof and uncaring, but they also have seen death so much that they, uh, kind of laugh at it. They don't, they don't really feel the impact or the emotional pain right. that they're causing. So seeing that from Darrow's perspective as being helpless and watching, this gold um, really like stomp all over his wife and then fucking kill her without even looking or caring. Like that's where that true hatred really begins inside of Jero. Right. 
also thinking about that within the context of Darrow like killing low colors himself later on and meat of men right you know like yeah like in iron gold he's just blasting blasting blues (laughs) yeah uh so i don't know it's just kind of interesting thinking about that you good on that one all right number five this is the fifth prime five that means the last (laughs) this is the last one of our prime five um and this was a just a cool um observation that uh both aaron and i had noted and that was that these first sons of Ares mentions comes in these chapters and Darrow doesn't like them. Um, <laughs> he thinks they're terrorists who kill children and he thinks that they're just halting the progress on Mars and they're not helping the cause. He thinks that they should just get in line. He's accepted his place in, in the world and he believes he's this pioneer for mankind and he just sees these other Reds as you know uh, halting that progress giving the Reds a bad name, really. I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy just in a couple chapters how much Darrow flips that script as soon as he sees the city for the first time or sees the surface of Mars when Dancer takes him up there. Um, and I'm sure Eo is rolling over in her grave like, what right. the fuck did I say, Darrow? <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I mean, as we... probably come back alive just to tell him, like, I told, <laughs> told you, you so. Bye. <laughs> Um, but EO, as we, I don't know if we've said this, EO didn't know the whole story. Right. So, you know, she, she just might. She was making a lot of, you know, assumptions, but. Um, in the correct on, way. Right. Based on some evidence that she had. But she still thought they were terraforming. She just knew shit was up. She knew something yeah, was up. Yeah, she was like, this is shady. All right. All right. So, Sons of Aries, Daryl. It's just kind of interesting to hear Daryl be like, fuck those guys. Yeah. And then like. And then he's like, Four chapters can later, I sign up like, for Let's a gold? Do this. <laughs> You're going to turn me into a gold? Oh, okay, I'm uh, in. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, All so right, and that's the, uh, what? Drum roll. Guess what's coming up? The Primus of the Week. Right, this is where, uh, now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered the proctors of plot, and rose above the rest. So our primus this week is? Eo. It's got to be. I mean, this is an easy choice. Eo could be a doorbell. <laughs> Eo. Plus, it's Eo. the only time she's going to be able to win it, so I feel like we have to well, give it to her. Well, <laughs> her, she could postmortemly. Is that how you say that? She could uh, have a win after the fact, because she does reappear... Via her final acts. That's true. And she does inspire an entire generation to rise up. <laughs> I still think this is just her best chance. I feel like Eo is, like, she could be in the musical Hamilton because of her <laughs> badassery. Yeah. Like, you could definitely rap about her. Oh, for sure. You could do the rise up when you're living on your knees, you rise up. <laughs> Do you need to write a Red Rising Broadway now? <laughs> I, I would have to steal a lot of lyrics from, you know, both Lin-Manuel and Pierce. Uh, I'd, I'd probably just do a merger. Stay tuned. We're going to make a Rise Up uh, Red Rising song for you all now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big promise. Yeah, we'll come back on it. Okay. All right. Uh, so Primus, Eo, way to yeah, go. Congrats, congrats girl. Yeah, hey, yeah. girl. Yeah. She deserves it. I mean... It's kind of all that stuff that we talked about. She is 
the inspiration. She is the catalyst. She knows what's up. Can I just... You're my inspiration. <laughs> All right. I just feel like EO could really go into a lot of different songs. She's so, a singer herself, too. I know. <laughs> and she sang that whole song. Okay, can I be real, real honest? Yeah. Okay, don't attack me on the boards, but <laughs> whenever there's like a song, I do not read it. Oh, I'm totally a song skipper, too. Dude, I skip right past it, right? I do it in every book. I so... Read. I swear to God, I have read Red Rising physically on my Kindle four times, skipped it. Then finally, and I'm sorry, Pierce, I just, I'm like, fuck all these words. Well, when I don't know the tune, I just like. I'm like, well, I'll read like the first two lines and then I skip to the end and I'm like, and she's done. That's what I do too. So I just listened to the audiobook by, uh, well, by Pierce Brown, but read by Tim Gerard Reynolds. Shout out. And he's, my favorite is. Ugly Don. <laughs> He's got a great like faux Irish. Ugly Don. So that was that was my rendition. That was really good. But he reads the whole song, and I swear to fucking God, I bawled my eyes out. Really? Dude, I was like, and he he sings it. And he's a terrible singer, <laughs> but it like really, you really like feel it because he acts, he like straight up acapella sings it wow. terribly. I'm going to have to listen to that. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I think that, I mean, there's not much more we need to say about EO at this point. Like she's clearly the winner. Besides um, she's a badass bitch. And as we know, Darrow only keeps badass bitches in his circle well, he's kind of the bitch in his next relationship, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've done our Prime 5, we named our Primus for the week. You know what it's time for? What is it? It's time for what are we into this week? What are we into this week? <laughs> that's, our, right. that's our new theme song. Yeah. <laughs> ben yeah, ben gave me up. a crinkled nose look. <laughs> uh do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Um, I will go first. Okay. What are you into this week, Aaron? So, as we know, I like to read books. Oh, do you? As we also know, I like to read fictional books. <laughs> so, um, this is actually like a past what I was into. So, this is prior to me finding out about Red Rising or Pierce Brown. But um, one of my favorite writers, besides Pierce you know, you'll always be in my heart, brother, <laughs> is Brent Weeks. Mm. And he's got a lot of great series. Mm-hmm. But um, the first one I read, and I think probably my favorite, is the Night Angel trilogy. All right, so after you do your reread, obviously, you have to stick with us. But once you're done with that, and before, um, you know, the ominous Dark Age, Ooh. which we are all not looking forward to. <laughs> it's going to go bad. Just as like as a person who really thinks that Darrow is a real person, you know, like I really feel like he is real. Yeah. And emotionally and intellectually, mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to this book. Anyways, so before we all cry our eyes out, you should read the Night Angel trilogy. It's really great. And it's about a fucking ninja who has a little bit of mystical powers, you know. That sounds pretty bad. Pretty dope. Okay, that's my what are we into. Ben, what are you into? Uh, So this week I have a TV recommendation. 
And I don't know if you've heard of this series, American Vandal, on Netflix. Oh, is that the penis? This is the penis thing. I haven't clicked on that because oh I thought it was God. weird. I had heard about this, okay, and I it had been suge- I had heard it uh, suggested to me multiple sources, like. Can I back Online. up? The, the penis means there's a spray painted penis right. on a bunch of cars on like the picture on Netflix. Yes. It's not like an actual penis. It's about a kid that vandalizes like 27 cars with a spray painted penis in a, in a high school parking lot. and it's trying Do you think to... this is the most times in a podcast people have said penis? <laughs> no, no. Penis has okay. been said a lot more. Penis! All right. <laughs> uh, so anyway... I had heard this uh, suggested to me from friends and from the internet like multiple times over a bunch of months. And then just the other day, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch American Vandal. Like, just watch it. I wasn't like hugely interested in it, but everybody kept telling me it was really good. And then I started watching it, and I didn't stop and watched all eight episodes of season one. Oh, really? In the same night because it's that good. It's like, Isn't it a parody? It's like a kind of a documentary it's like making a murderer except also a good recommend about high school students trying to figure out who spray painted these dicks on these cars and it is fucking hilarious it's done really well and like the faux documentary aspect of it is amazing it's like this probably if you like documentaries you would like it more right because you watch documentaries. You, you just would have to okay. kind of be into like these true crime murder shows if you're into that at all. It's got, Duh. It's got, Obviously, we like murder. We read Pierce Brown. Right. It's got that vibe, but it's um, a parody of it, and it works perfectly. It also captures teenagers like and being a teenager in high school really well, and so that's something that's easy to relate to, and it captures like children today or teenagers today really well. Fucking um, kids. Yeah. We're so, we're adults. I, honestly, it's like <laughs> I want, it's my favorite original Netflix series. Oh my gosh! Ever. Okay, well, we'll, we'll all have to check that out. It's season two, but I haven't I haven't started it yet. But season one was incredible. I'll vouch for it uh, any day of the week. All right, that wraps up. What are we into this week? Yeah. So um, now that we've talked about what we're into, let's just talk about next week. On HowlerPod. Woo! We did it! I guess next episode. Yeah, so next week we're just going to continue, or next episode, we're just going to continue our reread. Uh, We're going to do chapters 7 through 12. And that is through the carving. If you don't know what that is, stop fucking listening. You obviously don't belong. (laughs) You should not have listened to this entire podcast. All right. Um, And don't forget... Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, whatever else. At HowlerPod. At H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Rate the podcast. Give us five stars only. Yeah. Well, don't rate it if it's less than five stars. Just pretend you lost your fingers and you can't rate. If you want to give us five stars, though, just, you know, you're Darrow. You're a badass. Push the five. That's all you are. Yeah. And that's the end of HowlerPod today. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Yeah. Omnis. Pirawoopas. And gals. I, I fucked it up. Uh, All yeah. right, and thanks. Just say thanks, Howlers. Thanks, Howlers. Thanks, Howlers. Omnis Vir Lupus. Oh. Oh.